Good morning to everyone. School starts for children this week. Oh, I got the nastiest look <laughs> from school teachers. Look at the mama smiling. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kenna. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's good to see everybody. And this means we have arrived at uh, the conclusion of another summer break, and soon we'll be feeling some cool air, I hope, uh, come our way. It's good to see you here today and glad that you're here. If you are a visitor with us today, I want you to know how pleased we are that you're here. We do hope that you will um, come back to worship with us on many future occasions. We hope we do our job of making you feel comfortable and at home with us. We want you to know that you're certainly welcome here. This afternoon um, at 3 o'clock we will gather at the Woods Chapel for the memorial service for Aline Dobson, who passed away on Thursday night, uh, Aline Davis Dobson. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with her family members. We will come back together here this afternoon from 4.30 to 6 for our annual ice cream tasting uh, uh, social that we have. We have some excellent churners uh, in our congregation, and also there will be some other sweets there. Do not plan on eating much supper, but do plan to be here to meet your neighbors and meet especially our, our new folks who have been joining us and visiting with us uh, from 4.30 to 6 this afternoon. Next Sunday afternoon, we invite you to come together as a church family at the Taylor's uh, skating rink for an afternoon uh, of skating beginning at 4 p.m. till 6 p.m. Cost is five dollars for for that. That's next Sunday. If you are over 40, let me caution you. Uh, bring your own pillow to land on, please. That will be very helpful. Um, tonight, the youth will be having their annual back to school bash. Some of you may want to hang around to just see that. Um, usually the last thing that they have to do is grab a garden hose and spray off. So uh, Andy will be in charge of that later on today. Lots of other activities in your uh, bulletin. Uh, one that is not, though, is an announcement about uh, a gathering of the Emmaus community here on Friday night, this coming Friday, the 21st, at 7.30 p.m. in the Family Life Center and also in here. Um, the general public, church members, are invited to join them for this and just wanted to, to let you know about that. Pancakes are being prepared and tickets are being sold by the men's club. Uh, contact one of them. The United Methodist men have moved their monthly meeting to Wednesday night at 6.15 at Lorenda's because of the most important thing that begins on Thursday night of this week, and that is high school football. Our lives can begin now, men. So uh, anyway, we, uh, we look forward to that. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, This time we invite the children to come forward to join Elaine Rush for a few moments of sharing. Good morning. Is this a special week? What kind of special week is it? School starts. That's exciting, don't you think? I was always excited when school started because you get to meet new friends and new teachers and learn new things. What do you think you might learn this week? Maybe how to read better, how to write better, how to do more math. That's exciting, isn't it? This morning we're gonna talk about something that's really exciting, gifts. You like gifts? When do you get gifts? At Christmas and on your birthday? Valentine's Day? Do we get Thanksgiving gifts? I don't think the turkey brings gifts, right? Okay, so we just get gifts on those important days, but do you know what? God gives us gifts every day. Did you know that? That he gave us a gift every day? Well, this morning we're going to see four of the gifts that God gave us. Are you going to help me out? Okay, I'm going to show you four gifts that God gives us. And these gifts are talked about in the book of Corinthians. Okay, that's a big name. But they're talked about as they're called the gifts of the Spirit. But what they are, they're gifts from God. Okay, so you're going to help me open the first one? Okay, take that gift out and see what it is. What is it? It's a card. And what does it say? Wisdom. 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 What does that mean? Wisdom is the gift to make good decisions. Does your mom and dad tell you that all the time? You need to make good decisions. We know what's right. And sometimes, even when we know what's right, we don't make good decisions. But God gives us that gift that deep within here, we know what a good decision is. We know what God really wants us to do, right? Okay, who wants to open the next gift? How about you? You open the next gift. This is a long word. 
What is it? A card. And what does it say? It says knowledge. That's what you're going to learn a lot of today, knowledge. When you go to school, you get a lot of that. But God's gift of knowledge, what does it do? <coughs> Wisdom makes us make good decisions. And knowledge helps us understand what God wants us to do. When we learn more and more about God, then we know what he wants us to do, right? We really know what he really wants us to do. So he gave us wisdom and he gave us knowledge. Who wants to open the third one? You want to open the third one? That's the third one. Turn it over. What does it say? What does it say? Faith. Faith. That's our third gift, faith. Now that's another big word. What does faith mean? Does anybody have any idea? Faith is when we trust God. Do you know what trust is? We trust mommy and daddy, right? We trust them to take care of us, to feed us, to give us what we need, to protect us. And God does all those things for us too. He gives us all that gift of faith. Who wants to open the last gift? And what does it say? Helps. The gift of helps. What's the gift of helps? He helps us and he gives us a gift to help other people. Do you help other people sometimes? You, who all do you help? Your friends? Your sister? Mommy and daddy sometimes? Do you sometimes help at school? Well, you know, the other thing that God gives us is it gives us special people in our lives that help us. Do you know who those special people might be? Maybe Miss Jessica, did she help you with music this summer? And Miss Ann that plays and helps you with music. And who else? Well, let's see. He gives us teachers. He gives us teachers because teachers help us learn. He gives us business people who help help us decide how to do business in this world. He gives us doctors and all kinds of people. He gives us people who have, who have the gift of helps. And do you know you all have a gift of helps? And you all have a gift of wisdom? And you all have a gift of faith? And you all have the gift of knowledge? Because God gave you each one of you those very special gifts. And then he gave you an extra gift. And the extra gift is what you give to others. Love. The gift of love. Let's pray. Dear God, help us go out to school on Wednesday morning knowing that we will have many gifts to give other people and many people have gifts to give us. And let us thank you for all those gifts.
Amen. For children of three R's are reading, writing, and arithmetic. For folks my age, the three R's are reflux, rheumatism, and arthritis, I guess so. Here now our Old Testament lesson from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David except that he offered sacrifices and burnt, burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen the great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with so that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Here ends the lesson. At this time, I would like to call upon Marjorie Mitchell and Beverly Davis, who will come to lead us in a special recognition from the United Methodist Women. Most of our church family have been selected by the UMW to receive special mission recognition pins this morning. The special mission recognition pin also means that a gift has been made 
to the mission work of the women's division in honor of the recipients. Giving the special mission recognition pins is one of the requirements for our UMW to be recognized as a five-star unit. And of course, we give two pins each year to meet this requirement. At this time, if you have received a pin from the UMW, or from an individual, or from the Greenwood District United Methodist Women, would you please stand? As you can see, we have a large number here today, and I would like for these people to remember that each time you wear your pin, you must keep in mind that the person or persons who gave you that pin think you're mighty special. Our first pin this morning will go to a lovely lady who always has a smile and a friendly greeting for everyone she comes into contact with. She was one of 11 children, born into a family that raised five school teachers and one Methodist minister. She was one of the school teachers. She taught in six different elementary schools in the rural area. She retired from Fairview Elementary School after giving 35 years of service to education. She has one son, two grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. She has been an active member of Memorial United Methodist Church since 1946. She has been a member of the Afternoon Circle, the Young at Heart, the Susanna Wesley Sunday School class, which is now the Wesley Davenport class. <coughs> at one time, she was very active building the children in our church. But due to health problems, she had to keep up driving. But she still keeps up with all of our children through her telephone ministry. And what a wonderful contribution she makes daily to keep in touch with these children, to let them know that they are not forgotten. At this time, it is a privilege and certainly my pleasure to present a special mission recognition on behalf of Memorial United Methodist Women to Will McKellar.
for those of you who don't, may not know, Wilma is the senior member in this church. The second recipient of the UN Baptist Special Mission Pin to be given today is to a man. We don't, you don't have to be a member of UMW to receive a pin. He is the youngest of six children. He graduated from Taylor's High School and has lived in the Greer area all of his life. He worked as a tool and die maker with Home Light and Lucas Sagum. After retirement, he and his wife have spent many, many hours caring for their five grandsons. He is a former member of Fairview Baptist, but joined Memorial with his wife in 1970, about three years after their marriage. His hobbies include fishing, gardening, square dancing, and woodworking. He quietly goes about filling a need when he sees one, such as helping to erect playground equipment for the children, cleaning out stopped up gutters, changing lights in the sanctuary ceiling, volunteering in the church nursery, and operating the sound system in the sanctuary for the traditional service, as well as for weddings and funerals. He has served as an usher for the 11 o'clock service for many years and counts collection monies frequently. When many trees came down at Asbury Hills, he went to the camp with his chainsaw and helped to do a major cleanup job. Several years ago, when there were trees down here on the church property, he not only cut them up with his chainsaw, but split the wood and delivered it to a church family who heated with wood, and the man in that house was physically unable to do that kind of hard work. He has also taken firewood to the parsonage for the enjoyment of several pastors over the years. For 20 years, he has served as treasurer of the Ballinger-Duncan class. His most recent contributions to the church have been making a pulpit and worship table, and worship table used in the gym for the contemporary service. It is with great pleasure and thanks that the UMW recognizes Tom Hammond today with a special mission pin. Congratulations to both of these recipients. We celebrate all your wonderful contributions to our church and to our community. Here now our epistle reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. 
always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. How good it is for us to be here together this day, O Lord. Just before our children go back off to school and before our teachers return to the classroom, when we've had several reminders of the importance of seeking after wisdom and knowledge, we recognize, Lord, that some things we can learn, but other things you have to teach us and give us as a gift of your spirit as we receive your wisdom and knowledge and as we live longer lives. And so we, like Solomon, would come before you and say that life overwhelms us with the responsibilities that it gives us. And we are charged with the responsibility of caring for one another as Solomon was charged with the responsibility of guiding a nation. We join him in praying for the gift of wisdom that you would help us. And we join in praying for our world leaders that our world leaders might also lead with wisdom and with mercy. We're thankful too, O Lord, that you have placed us here as citizens of your kingdom. And we pray that in all that we do, we might advance the borders of your kingdom by a few people day by day. That we might reach out to those around us who are lost and floundering in life and invite them into the nation of God, the kingdom of God, to be partners with us in serving our God. And in all that we do as we work to strengthen your kingdom. We pray that your name would be honored and glorified and that how we live and what we do might bring honor to your good name. We pray, O God, for our forgiveness, remembering how Jesus said that we would be forgiven in the measure that we would forgive others. Lord, we're not a very forgiving people, we human beings. Cause us to be so conscious of our own need for forgiveness that we're willing to extend forgiveness to one another. In this world of evil and difficulty, we pray that you would guide us and lead us away from those difficulties and Deliver us from times of evil. We are grateful that you give us opportunities every day to to make a difference and to be in service to you. And we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to chances that will come our way this day. And, oh God, may we never fail 
to give your grace and mercy to one that needs it. These things we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Our gospel lesson is John chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. Jesus is speaking. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the people began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Here ends the lesson. In his inspiring little book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, Robert Fulgham gives us a very practical guide for life. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Sometimes one practical saying is worth 10 philosophical theoretical ones. But having said that, let me also tell you that when I was in seminary, I and other students were cautioned against giving a very practical kind of a sermon because preachers already have this tendency to want to tell people how they ought to be doing things, you know, pointing fingers at you like that. If we preachers aren't very careful, our sermons will degenerate into legalistic laundry lists of things to do complete with finger pointing instead of a proclamation of God's grace. It's good for us to remember that whenever the scripture gives us a very practical laundry list of things to do, it is most often given as something that we will want to do once we know about God's goodness and grace. It is a response to God's grace. The writer of the book of Ephesians gives us plenty of deep thoughts to chew on. He says that before the foundation of the world, God predestined that we would be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ. He says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing to be found in heaven. God has raised us with Christ 
and seated us in the highest places of heaven. In response to all of this goodness of God in Christ, the writer then urges us to show our faith in these very practical ways. Be careful and wise in how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. Remember that the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but instead understand God's will. Don't get drunk, but be filled with God's spirit. Speak to one another with words of hymns and carry around music in your heart. Always give thanks to God for everything. The line that first stood out to me in this sage advice is the one that says that the days that we live in are evil. From time to time, I hear folks discussing this and they imply that we're living in the worst days that have ever been and that things are only going to get worse. I'm really not sure that is true. There have been some awful days in the past. To be sure, we live in a time when everything that happens anywhere in the world is beamed almost immediately into our living rooms. And so we're more aware of evil in our world than we've ever been. A hundred years ago, it would have taken years to learn some of the things that we see happen overnight. My personal belief is that while some evils may be worse than ever before, the world has always been an evil place to those who are God-loving, law-abiding citizens. There's a popular song on the radio today that is called Calling All Angels by a group known as Train. It's not a religious song at all, but it begs for the angels among us to make themselves known so that we might have a little bit of hope. For they describe the world we live in as being when there is no place safe and no safe place to put my head when you feel the world shake from the words that are said, and when children have to play inside so they won't disappear. Like every previous generation, we find ourselves living in, the, in a world that can be very, very evil. And the same will be true of successive generations. As long as fallible human beings live on planet Earth and until Jesus returns. The fact that the days are evil should be taken very seriously by those who are determined to follow Jesus. And yet at the same time, we should never forget that there is so much beauty and joy to be found all around us. <coughs> we are now, as Christians have always been, pioneers trying to establish a colony of heaven here on earth in a very hostile world. Ephesians also urges us not to be unwise or foolish. And then he starts sounding an awful lot like my mama and my daddy. Your parents ever say things like this to you? What were you thinking? You're supposed to look before you leap. That was a dumb thing you did. A fool and his money are soon parted. Beauty is only skin deep. 
What part of don't, don't you understand? Have I hit your favorite yet? Bad things can happen to us when we act foolishly without thinking through what our actions will mean, without considering consequences, without considering God's will. When my daughter was seven years old, she told her four-year-old little brother that if he would climb up on the roof of our house and jump off, he would be able to fly. He was not. He learned real quickly who to trust and who not to trust. Be careful, be wise, don't be foolish. The writer then gets very specific about one foolish thing that he would like us to avoid. And this just goes to show you that some problems have been inflicting human beings for several millennia now. Same problem. Don't get drunk, he says. Now remember, the writer is writing to Christians about their behavior. And since he talks about not getting drunk, oh, I'm sure he wasn't talking to Methodist or Baptist, right? Someone around here told me that the, the big difference between Methodist and Baptist in our area is that the Methodists will speak to one another in the liquor store. <laughs> <clears throat> Just before I was appointed to Edgefield United Methodist Church uh, down below Greenwood, a man opened a red dot store on the edge of the town limit. And so a delegation of pastors went to visit that man to urge him to close down his store and to move out of the town. That man looked at the five or six pastors that were standing before him and calmly replied, if you could get your church members to stay out of here, I'll have to move. Those pastors never bothered that red dot store owner ever again. Being serious for just one moment, regardless of your politics on this issue and regardless of whether you're a teetotaler or an occasional partaker, is there anyone here who does not believe that the overuse of alcohol and drugs is a real problem in our society? Is there anybody here who thinks that it's a good idea for people to drink so much that they cannot drive safely? Or that they go home and become abusers of their family members? How many people are killed each year and how many unplanned babies are there as a result of excessive use of alcohol? The CDC studied and found out that if teenagers start drinking before the age of 15 years of age, they are five times more likely to become alcoholics later in life than those who begin drinking at or after age 21. Now, if you could walk in your pastor's shoes for a few days, you would meet some very, very sad individuals whose lives have been totally wrecked by the abuse of alcohol and drugs. Not a week goes by that I don't meet someone. Surely God is right in telling us in Ephesians that we're better off to avoid drunkenness. Instead, we should fill our lives with the Holy Spirit, the idea being that God can give us plenty of natural emotional highs 
through fellowship that is better than anything that comes in a bottle. And some of us today are going to get high on ice cream and fellowship. And it will be wonderful. Well, enough of the negative. The passage also gives me some very positive, practical advice. He says, make the most of your opportunities. Even though they will worry you to pieces by coming by your house on foot or bicycles, you've got to admire those Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons for their dedication to what they believe in. But there are less invasive ways that you and I can give witness to our faith because opportunities to serve others in Christ's name come our way every day if we will just look for them. If you just open your eyes, you'll find opportunities every day. Opportunities to speak a kind, uplifting word. Opportunities to offer friendship to someone who's lonely. And occasionally opportunities to talk in depth with someone about the hope that you have found in Christ Jesus. In hearing our youth talk about their recent mission trip, when I was attending one of the weekly or bi-weekly youth meetings of our youth, I heard them say that their mission trip was wonderful, that their vacation Bible school went smoothly because they'd spent a lot of time planning it. But what really excited them were, were all the unexpected opportunities they had to bear witness to their faith that came their way while they were playing on the playground or basketball court with some children and teenagers. They got to walk those children home and they got to meet some families and some of them even went as far as having a prayer in those homes with family members. Sometimes opportunities just come our way and sometimes we have to make an opportunity. But so very often if we just look for them, they're right there. While I was being trained to sell life insurance, I was amazed at what made my trainer so successful. He was a master at conversation, and he had a way of bringing the subject around to life insurance. I don't care what you started talking about. It came around to life insurance, and he was successful. And then I was being trained as a bread truck driver. Yes, I drove a rainbow bread truck. That was the only time in my life I was ever rolling in dough. And I had a trainer who was great at finding opportunities to share his faith. A store owner would mention to us that his wife was in the hospital and I would watch my, my trainer, David, put his hand on the man's shoulder or back and say, you tell your wife, I am praying for her. That simple gesture was so meaningful and so sincere and it was his opportunity to share faith. One day, several of us pastors who were sharing some coffee down here at that wonderful French restaurant, the Waffle House, um, we were sitting there cutting up, and a woman walked over to us, and she said, would one of you be willing to come over and talk to my son? The son, in his early 20s, had more chrome on his face than a Honda Accord. His mother explained that her son didn't want to talk with us about any issue, he just didn't think that a preacher would condescend to speak to somebody like him. He must have had incredibly low self-esteem. Well, of course we were willing to come over and meet him and speak to him, and I felt like crying. Poor guy. 
how simple and easy it was for us that day to seize an opportunity to extend the love of God to a child of God who needed it. And all he wanted was someone to acknowledge that he existed and that we recognized him. Jesus knew how to do this. He could start a conversation with the woman about being thirsty. And before the conversation was over, he had led her to reconciliation with Almighty God and forgiveness. This may be a very troubled world that we live in, but it provides us with so many opportunities to share God's love and our faith story. Finally, the writer of Ephesians tells us to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that may sound pretty dull and boring to you if we adapted to those words uh, legalistically and people would look at us like we are nuts. You know, our founder, John Wesley, told us not to do that, but to speak very common, ordinary words to one another. And really, there's no conflict with Ephesians. He's not telling us to use fancy words. He's telling us to speak words of comfort and encouragement to one another, because that's what you find in hymns and in the Psalms. They express the joys and the sorrows of our human existence, and then they offer us hope and lift us up. You know, one of the Psalms begins, My God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus remembered that song on the cross. Probably the reason he did was it ends on a, hope of, a note of hope. God has not hidden his face from me, but he's listened to my cry of help. We are to speak words of hope and encouragement to one another, Uplifting music is good for our souls also. Why is it Mama used to hum when she did housework? And if I have a lot to do around the house, I put good music on the stereo. It helps me get it done. Recently, the teenagers and I were talking about some music that we like, and one of them said, do you still listen to music on an eight-track player? Well, hey, I do have one, but I've moved on. I have a CD player now. I'm with it. <sighs> Making music in our hearts is a good thing for us. The writer concludes by encouraging us to give thanks to God for everything. A thankful heart is a joyful heart, one that becomes even more aware of all that God has done for us and is doing for us. Be careful and wise in how you live. Make the most of your opportunities. Remember that we live in evil days. Don't be foolish, but, in, but instead understand God's will. Don't get drunk, but be filled with God's spirit. Speak to one another with words of hymns and carry around some music in your heart. Always give thanks to God for everything. Very practical words indeed. Amen.